Today, we're going to be studying again from 1 John, and we're in chapter 2. And the theme of the message today is to let the love of God be perfected in you. Uh, It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? That God's love could be perfected. Uh, Something that, honestly, I don't think about so often. But in studying this passage, I realize that there's a deeper work of God's love that he wants to do in each of our lives. And it says in the translation that I'm reading that it would be perfected in us. Um, And as we uh, open to 1 John chapter 2, let me see if the, there we go. Um, We're going to read the verses from verse 5 and 6. It says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And let's pray as we begin studying the word of God. Heavenly Father, we recognize that we are dependent completely upon you. We need your love to fill our hearts and to overflow our heart that we can reach those people that are lacking, those people that don't yet know you. Give us compassion for the people around us and give us patience for our family and those that are uh, sometimes uh, a source of stress that we would be able to love with the love of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Speak to us today and inspire us to live the life that you lived. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God wants to perfect each believer in his love. And this process, oftentimes we experience his love when we receive the gift of salvation. Um, I mentioned before that I was a young adult when I asked Jesus to forgive me. And it was the first time that I remember in my life I was crying, but not because I was sad, but because I was happy. Right. And love overwhelms you so much. Um, Today, Mike shared that. He went into a chapel and experienced God in a different way, you know, in a deeper way, something that even shook him in a sense. And God's love is able to do that. He wants to do that perfecting work, but it's not just a momentary experience. It's a life-transforming experience where we are experiencing his love and we're being transformed more into his image. In this passage, we're going to see that there's three uh, basic steps to be perfected in God's love. It says here in verse 5, Whoever keeps his word, uh, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. So we see that first there's an aspect of a relationship that we are in Jesus. And to me, this speaks of salvation, right? To experience the fullness of God's love, you have to be in Jesus. You have to be a believer that Jesus both gave his life as a perfect sacrifice for our sins, and he rose again, giving us the hope of heaven. Uh, This is uh, being in him. And then it also says that we are to keep God's word. Um, Here in verse 5, it says, Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. So, Keeping his word means doing his commandments, following his instructions, living by his truth. Jesus said, 
If you are my disciples, you will keep my word. You will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Right? And this is a wonderful thing. I love the aspect of being free. Um, some of you know that I was a scuba diving instructor, and I would just love to get in the water and let the water carry me. Um, when Martin and I were first married, she asked, uh, have you ever gone skydiving? And I said, no, I haven't. I would love to. And so for my birthday, uh, the first birthday that we were married, uh, she got me the gift of going skydiving. And uh, my birthday was on a weekday, and the skydiving was going to be on a Saturday, so she took me to dinner, and then she gave me the gift certificate to go skydiving, and I go, wow, we've only been married a few months, and you always already are ready for me to go to heaven. And she goes, don't say that. <laughs> I told one of the counselors at church, because we were in a counseling meeting, I told one of the other counselors, and he said that he almost died skydiving because his chute got twisted. And so uh, she got a little bit nervous, but when I got up there and I was flying, in a sense, uh, really falling, but as I was coming down, I just felt so free. And she paid a little bit extra, and a guy had a camera on his helmet, and he was filming, and it was so funny because my cheeks were just flapping at the wind as I was smiling, <laughs> and I was loving it. And when I got back, Marta says, I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> so uh, keeping God's word gives us a freedom, right? And it also allows his love to be perfected in us, right? If you're disobedient to what he wants, we can't expect the same work of his love in our hearts. And then last, we see in verse 6, it says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And so the third aspect is walking as Jesus walked. Now, some of you and Martin and I, we've had the honor of being in Israel. And some places, you know, you're walking exactly where Jesus walked. But that's not exactly what he's talking about here. John is saying, you're to live as Jesus lived. Uh, Jesus is the expression of love. And uh, his love was what initiated the relationship with us. Um, we see uh, this also in uh, John, uh, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, uh, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the concept is that God initiates the relationship of love. Uh, John says here in verse 10, not that we loved God, meaning not that we loved him first, but that God loved us and he showed his love by allowing Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. So he demonstrates the relationship of love. And another aspect of God's love is that it's eternal and that it's active. Um, God is eternal and he is the essence of love. And in this passage from uh, Jeremiah chapter 33, uh, it's, I didn't, what's that? Oh, 31. Yeah, 31 verse 3. Thank you for the help. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, 
God's actually speaking through Jeremiah to the Jewish nation, but it's a truth that I believe that we can receive as well. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. So God's love is eternal. He says to the nation of Israel that he's loved them with an everlasting love. I think is amazing, right? Not just something that we experience um, here, but we're going to experience on into eternity. And then it says, with loving kindness, I have drawn you, right? Um, Martin and I met in church, uh, but there's a process in relationships where if you start to become interested in a person more than just a friendship, you start to draw them, right, into a deeper relationship. Uh, Martin and I actually felt like our hearts were getting bonded together through prayer because we were praying for a man that was going through difficulty in church. And as we were praying together, we felt like our hearts were getting uh, bonded together. And obviously, you know, uh, I had to act upon my desires to see Marta's wife, and she had to act upon her willingness to become my wife, right? It's a relationship. And God reaches us through the relationship of love. And it says that he draws us to himself. Uh, I thought of this as something that I hadn't really put in one phrase, but as I was studying this week, I thought of it, and it's, it's an interesting concept. God's love provides us atonement and acceptance, right? Some religions, uh, they teach that you have to, you know, do this type of work or you have to uh, basically deprive yourself of something as if you can atone for your own sin. But God, in his love, he gave the atonement for us through Jesus' death on the cross. And other religions say everything's okay, right? Let's just all love one another. And they have an aspect of acceptance, but they forget the atonement part, right? And there are more and more of those type of movements in our society today. Let's just all receive one another. Um, if we are good and if we have good intentions, we're all going to get to be in front of God. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches, right? He accepts us, but he accepts us through the atonement. And that's part of our message, right? It's good if a person wants to deny themselves, but they can't save themselves, right? They need the atonement of Jesus. It's good if people want to accept one another, but our mutual acceptance doesn't save us, right? We need God's love to initiate the atonement and God's love to remind us that he accepts us, right? Even after we're saved, we can't make him love us more by doing more good works. Because he loves us, we do those good works. We are already accepted. Uh, to the experience the fullness of God's love, we must receive and respond, right? Um, it's not enough just to understand. We must receive and respond. And here we see from uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. So it's understanding and believing uh, that God has love for us. 
And it says, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So we understand, we receive, but we also respond. The response in this passage is abiding in God, remaining connected. And that's a choice for us each day, to remain connected in our relationship with God. God initiates the loving relationship, but we must respond to it. And we can encourage one another, right? Sometimes people get distracted, and uh, the Bible says we're to stir up one another to love and good works. So if you see a person start to get a little bit cold in their relationship with the Lord, you're to encourage them. Hey, God's love is eternal. God's love is here for you today. What is restricting your love towards Him? And uh, like I just mentioned, abiding in God's love is the necessary response, but it's a choice that we make each day. And we're to live as Jesus lived. It says uh, in verse 6, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as Jesus walked. So the question is, how did Jesus walk? Right? He went through... Uh, Israel and the areas doing good works, freeing people by touching their lives and praying for them, and expressing love uh, even to those that seem to be unworthy of love, right? The tax collectors and the sinners, the people who were drinking too much. Jesus still uh, expressed love and salvation to them. Uh, walking as Jesus walked means living as Jesus lived. And some of your translations in that passage says we ought to live just as Jesus lived. But walking expresses motion, right? And it is, when we're walking with Jesus, it expresses unity. Um, when we moved to Israel, uh, we saw the places where Jesus walked on water. And one time I was being a little bit funny, so I said to the people, you know, I walked on water too. And they looked at me like, what's coming next? And I said, I did, but it was winter in Ukraine and it was frozen. <laughs> you know. And the funny thing is I tried to get Marta to walk on the water and there was the bank of the river. It was completely covered with snow. So you couldn't see where the bank of the river stopped and where the river started. So I got out there on the flat part and I was standing there and I told her, just come a little bit further, it's completely frozen. And she was kind of on the, the slope, and she took one step down, and she goes, no! <laughs> she didn't want to trust that the frozen water would hold her up. But obviously, uh, walking on water is not what the Lord calls us to, but it's living as He lived. It's walking uh, through life as if we're walking with Jesus, having His heart. One of the greatest aspects of who Jesus is, is love. And we need to remember that we're sharing that with people when we express uh, our faith. Many times when we express our faith, we're trying to tell a person that they need to make a change in their life. But the greatest momentum to change us is God's love. Let's read um, from chapter 2. Now we're going to start in verse 7. 
Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because darkness is passing away and the true light is shining. So we see here, he talks about not writing a new commandment, but then also writing a new commandment. So what is he uh, mentioning in this passage? Well, the scripture explains itself. And in 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 10 and 11, we see uh, him explaining what he means as he wrote uh, earlier. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest or made known. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So the message that he's speaking about is the message of love. But how is it new? It's new because we are to love as Jesus loved. And uh, Jesus actually gave us, uh, and the disciples gave the commandment in John uh, 13, uh, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's how it is new is because we're doing it with the measure that Jesus did it, right? In the Old Testament, it says we're to love God and we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But the new aspect is that we're to do it as Jesus did. He is the example. So it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do you ever pray, Lord, it's hard for me to express love to this person. Would you love them through me? Right? We're to be an instrument. We're to allow his love, the depth of his love, to motivate us to love others. And now um, in 1 John chapter 2, we'll read the next verses from 9 through 11. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Uh, there should be no room for hatred in our life. When Martin and I first got married, every once in a while she would say something like, I hate Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and I would say, could you use a different word? And she's like, well, I don't like them at all. And I was like, yeah, but can you not say hate? Because I just, I was so sensitive. I became a believer as a young adult and I wanted to live everything like perfectly. And so I, I would never express that I hated something. But in a sense, there are things we are to hate, right? We're to hate sin. We're to hate when someone in an abusive power hurts other people. But uh, here we're told if we have hatred towards a brother, it's like we're living in darkness. The light of God is not in our hearts. 
And uh, there are basically two things in this chapter that are a hindrance to God's perfect work of love in our hearts. The first is when we allow hatred to control our life. And the second is when we choose worldly things. Um, We're going to study it more in depth, but I want to read from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, because this also crowds out God's love in our hearts. Verse 15 of 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So the contrast here is the worldly system, uh, the world's way of doing things, which does not include God, the desires of the world that sometimes are uh, old nature desires and our eyes uh, cause us to want, and the pride uh, makes us think that we should receive those things. But it says the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever, right? The temptations of this world, they're temporary, but God's love is eternal. God wants us to experience this transition of our life where we are being perfected by his love. I like to think about things kind of as an illustration. Uh, Just Wednesday, uh, there was a story. There was a brother and a sister. They were adults. He was 28, and they went on a cruise together for Thanksgiving. So um, a few of you maybe have been on a cruise ship. Some of you have thought about it. We've all seen commercials about cruise ships. Most of the time in the commercial, the cruise ships focus upon the food and the entertainment, right? And in a sense, that's kind of like the world, right? The cruise is actually going across the sea or the ocean, uh, maybe up in Alaska, it goes up by the glaciers. And if you are a believer and you look around, you're to be inspired by God's creation. But all the temptation is to focus upon what's right in front of you. So this man, uh, he is with his uh, sister. Then he says, I need to go to the bathroom. And they were sharing one room, but he doesn't come back. So the next morning, she says, he hasn't been at the meals He hasn't come back. I think there's a big problem. Well, ended up, the article didn't say how, but he fell over the side of the cruise ship. So he might have been focused upon the entertainment, the free food and drinks, right? But all of a sudden, he's focused upon the water. (laughs) And to me, the ocean reminds me of God's love. It is so vast, you can't fully experience everything. It is... so powerful that you can't control it. Well, it ended up that on Thanksgiving, the Coast Guard uh, sent out the, the alert to all of the other ships traveling in the Gulf of Mexico saying, hey, we have someone that is most likely in the water. Keep your eyes out. And there was a big cargo ship and they saw a little <laughs> person floating in the water 20 miles offshore. So they called the Coast Guard. They said, we think we found the person. The helicopter came and picked him up 20 hours after he fell in, approximately 20 hours. 
And the point is this, right? He might have had the entertainment, the good food, the desires all around him, but he got shifted into a different realm immediately. And he was in that realm for a long time. And God wants to shift us from the entertainment around us, the attractions and the desires, and to remind us that his love is eternal and we're to abide in him and in his love. Um, We must keep his word, we must know him, and we must live as Jesus lived. Uh, This is the instructions from this chapter. And then the warning of the chapter is that jealousy and anger towards other people can become hatred in our hearts. And if we become stuck in that hatred, it means we're in darkness and we restrict God's love. The desires of this world and following the world system, which is against God, are temptations that replace God's love in our hearts. Right? It's like, why are you on the cruise ship? Are you there to satisfy your own desires, to be entertained, and just to be stuck in the moment? Or are you going to see the broader perspective that being out on the ocean allows you to see? And this is what I want you to see today, right? The temptation at Christmas time is to focus upon the material things. But the celebration is because of Jesus and his love. God wants us to be transformed and be perfected in his love. And if you want to turn there, you can. Uh, We're going to read. uh, Part of this process takes place by God's Spirit in our life. And we're going to read from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We're almost finishing. And I want to encourage you today to allow God's Spirit to do this work in our hearts. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and following. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So some people have said it seems like the fruit is love and then love is expressed through all these other characteristics. But when we're in God's love, we don't need all of the other restraints around us because we're motivated by his love. That's why it says against such there is no law. But we need to choose to do this day by day. Verse 24, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Right? Don't you have wrong desires and passions every day? Well, you need to present yourself to Jesus and recognize that he died to free us from those passions. Now, verse 25, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Right? So, God's Spirit gives us life, but also gives us life abundantly. And we're to walk in love, having the fruit of the Spirit. And now, uh, the last verse for today, as we finish from 1 Peter. It's kind of an exhortation. From 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Um, I like that word, fervent. It means a strong passion, like an earnest zealousness 
about God's love and we're to have his love for one another. We're to be motivated by God's love and we're to be transformed by God's love and so much so much more as we see the day approaching, right? It says the end of all things is at hand. And if that was true when Peter wrote, how much more is it true when we're living today, right? Uh, some of us see it. There's huge shifts in our society. There's huge shifts in the world. There's people that are literally thinking, maybe I should just use these nuclear weapons, right? And what does that do? It causes you to pray, but that's not the only response. It also says to have fervent love for one another. Let's stand as we finish. If you have the strength to stand with me, please do so. Lord, we want to come to you recognizing that you are the source of eternal love. And for any of us that have grown cold in our hearts or have allowed temptation to distract us, we just pray, Lord, stir up your love within us. For any of us who haven't had the fruit of the Spirit working in our life, we pray, come by your Spirit and help us to be more like Jesus. And Lord, we want to have fervent love. We want to have a love that is a passion inside of us to express your heart and your compassion to other brothers and sisters, but also to unbelievers. Lord, if there's anyone that is been focusing upon things of the earth, help us, forgive us, and let us walk in your truth. Walk as Jesus walked. Walk in love. We commit ourselves to you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.